Hey everyone, I'm Carolyn. And I'm Tiffany, and you're listening to another episode of The Disney Download. Here at The Disney Download, we'll be discussing the latest Disneyland news along with sharing park tips and tricks. Plus, we'll be sharing our opinions on everything in the Disney universe. So get ready to have some fun. Hello, you guys. We are excited for another episode of the Disney Download. I'm Tiffany, and we're here with my co-host, Carolyn. Yay! Um, so today we have news per usual, and then we're going to be talking about our experience with The Void and also a review of Maleficent, um, which if you've seen it, we're going to be talking a lot about what happens in the movie. We'll get to that when it comes, but um, yeah, so if you don't want to hear spoilers, just listen to the first half of this podcast and you'll be golden. We'll let you know when we're going to get to the spoilers. We will. We'll give you a fair spoiler warning. We know this one's a little bit delayed, but I was out of the country for three weeks, and then we had all these other things to talk about, so we're getting to it. But in the future, we'll either be Johnny on the spot, or we'll do, like, special episodes. Like, I think for Frozen, we're going to do a special spoiler one uh, shortly after it's released. But our first little bit of news is in one of my favorite realms, Marvel Studios, So last week, uh, the Marvel Studios boss, Kevin Feige, confirmed that there will indeed be a connection between the Loki Plus Disney series and the movie Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Now, it has already been confirmed that uh, the WandaVision show on Disney Plus is already going to directly tie into the Multiverse of Madness. So Kevin Feige actually, when he was talking to Bloomberg this week, confirmed it and said, I know we've never said this before, but it does connect. So this is going to be really awesome. Obviously, Tom Hiddleston is reprising his role as Loki, the god of mischief, and his series is going to take place in an alternate timeline where he escapes using the Tesseract in uh, Endgame. So I'm super excited. So this Loki will not have gone through his redemption arc from Thor the Dark World, um, and Ragnarok, and then his death in Infinity War, obviously. So we don't know what version of Loki is going to meet Doctor Strange, but I think it's going to be really awesome um, to see, hopefully, him actually maybe pop up in a movie again. And for whatever tie-in this might actually mean for Loki's character in future Marvel films. So I'm beyond excited to see more of Loki in his series, and then obviously in Doctor Strange. Yes. Um, is uh, Are the Marvel series coming out on day one? No. So the Marvel series will, I believe Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be the first one. So they're going to premiere sometime, I think, spring next year, and then WandaVision, and then WandaVision will go right into Doctor Strange. And another thing Kevin Feige said from last week was that the shows on Disney Plus are going to start tying in more directly to the content in the movies. So you can already see that with this Loki announcement and then previously with WandaVision, that those two shows are going to tie directly into Doctor Strange. So he said that's going to be happening more. So to fully get the MCU experience, you're not just going to be watching the movies now. You're going to have to experience them on Disney Plus and then moving into the films, which I think is so amazing and cool because I I love – the universe that was already there and I can't wait to see it expand and grow and to get to like know some of these smaller side characters that we've had in all the films but then also get to meet new characters and experience their stories and just get a deeper richer history of all these characters so I think yeah awesome that's cool I'm excited I am a little nervous because I know like my dad, who loves to watch the Marvel movies, he's not going to watch the series, but I hope that they, like, give some kind of background in the new movies to, like, what they're talking about for those people who don't watch the series, but I guess we'll see. I mean, I like it because I will watch the series, and I know a lot of people will, but there are, of course, going to be people who won't. <laughs> You're going to have the people be like, I'm confused. What's happening? Didn't Loki die? 
This is just going to be more reason for my mom to fall asleep (laughs) at the movies, but it's fine. (laughs) You'll just have to recap them all for your dad. I mean, I'm sure they'll do what, like, they've done or tried to do. I'm sure there's only so much, like, recapping you can do in a film, but a lot of times they'll give you just enough information in the film you're watching to say it relates to Ant-Man, like, just enough to know about what's going on with Ant-Man. Yeah. That you don't, like, necessarily need to see his movie. So I'm not sure, I guess, it's going to be those one of those wait-and-see type things, like how much it directly ties into. Um, I think it might be more further down the line because there was something else I saw where characters like Miss Marvel – I think it was Moon Knight and She-Hulk, like they're introducing them on Disney Plus with the goal of building up to another Avengers-type style team. So do with that what you will. And I I assume they're going to have to do something like that because it'd be stupid not to. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like they've pretty much said, like don't expect an Avengers film anytime soon. Like I think they're building up to something like that. Yeah. But I, I'm very interested to see how the shows correlate to the team of heroes that they build in a movie and how much of the Disney Plus you'll have to watch. Like, I mean, obviously I plan on watching it all. Um, but for those who might not watch Disney Plus or might not be super invested in the MCU and just go to see the films in theaters, um, I, it's still obviously very up in the air how much of it you'll have to see to know what's going on and not feel lost so yeah cool well we'll see how that goes yeah um the next piece of news we have today um so at this um snow white scary adventures is going to undergo a huge refurbishment um it's not currently they haven't started anything yet and we're not sure when it's actually going to start because it's not showing up on their refurbishment calendar yet. Um, But the city of Anaheim has uh, required that they undergo this big refurbishment uh, to the rock work, the projectors, and the sets and props themselves. So that is, I'm pretty positive, one of the original rides from when the park opened. Um, So it should be interesting to see, like, what they keep from the OG back in the day. Um, and what they go ahead and fix. But I am interested in the refurb because it's not one of my favorites to begin with. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I don't love Snow White Scary Adventures. I actually have watched a couple of YouTube videos on this. So not m- much of the original ride is actually what's still there. So mm-hmm. the original concept of the ride was you were Snow White and you're going through the forest. Well, there wasn't a whole lot of Snow White actually in the ride. There wasn't actually any Snow White in the ride. Because, <laughs> excuse me, like you were supposed to be Snow White. So because people didn't quite understand that when we were, they were riding it, they changed it to include Snow White. So I'm interested to see this next iteration. I'm sure it's probably going to be similar to the updates we have to Alice in Wonderland where they've added just more things going on, just making it more detailed in depth. Um, and again, we don't know when this is going to happen. It's just a, fer- a permit that has been filed with the city of Anaheim to do the work. So once we know an official date, we'll let you guys know, but anything they can do to get me on that ride, go for it. It's kind of one of those ones that I forget that's there until someone's like, let's ride it. It's five-minute wait. And I'm like, okay, cool, let's do it. As yeah, it's definitely not something I plan on doing unless it just happens to be like a no-minute wait. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it's like five to ten minutes. It's like, well, yeah, let's just ride it. That's usually how that goes. Um, and then our last bit of news for today, so <laughs> this past Sunday at Disneyland in Tarzan's Treehouse, um, a guest decided to jump on one of the rope bridge flats and broke it. So Tarzan's Treehouse is currently closed until further notice because obviously we can't let people walking on a rope bridge that has a broken um, plank on it. That's not very safe. So until that's fixed, 
um, that we're not going to get to go into Tarzan's treehouse. I mean, not like I did it much anyways, but uh, I guess the rumor is a guest was trying to jump on it to demonstrate to children how the bridge could not break. Um, that's like so much irony right there for you. Um, but thankfully no one was harmed in this uh, incident or injuries. And I guess the cast members had to like track this person down and took them a while. Um, so if you plan on doing Tarzan's Treehouse, you're going to have to wait because they have to fix the rope bridge. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it's just like, we were there. We went back there, though. I'm surprised it took us, that took us this long to, like, find out about it. But. Yeah. I'm, like, kind of bummed I didn't see it happen, but I guess it's for the best. And it probably is, like, less dramatic than it sounds. Yeah, I mean, some people, I heard some people saying they heard it cracking and were like, what's going on? And other people were like, yeah, I was like right there and didn't hear a thing. So maybe it depends on the proximity that you were to the person. I don't know. That's always one of those things that's like, if you're the guest that did like that, just like go tell the cast member. Like they're going to be more pissed at you if you run off. Like then they got to track you down and then kick you out. Like, and they can like, no one can see my state of the faces that I make on this podcast, but I'm making like the like the emoji with like the lines in the mouth for eyes. It's just like really, really, really. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, um, that's all the news that we have for now. But we did want to tell you guys about a fun experience we had this weekend. We got to visit The Void, which is in downtown Disney. Um, and I had never done it before, but Carolyn has done it twice already. Um, but tell us what it is, because it was awesome. So The Void is super cool. If you're not familiar with what it is, it is a immersive virtual reality destination. So The Void allows you to travel into some of your favorite films or stories and be these characters and experience things that you might never, ever get to experience. So when you go into a void location, you get to explore your surroundings, you're interacting, you're walking through this dynamic virtual world. Um, and again, it's the full body immersive experience. So it is super, super cool. Um, depending on what you choose, they do uh, the one in downtown Disney has the Star Wars immersive experience running pretty much all the time, except when there are special things. If you go to other void locations, they may have Star Wars, they may have a Disney thing, or maybe a completely different story. You just have to check the website. Um, but it is dependent on what is available at the void location. But it's always super cool and very, very immersive. You feel like you're in these worlds or places that you're traveling to. Um, do you have anything to add to that, Tiff? Yeah, I think it, it was amazing. Like, it, it feels real. Um, if you're so, going to go, I would plan to spend – so far, the different – options have been 30 to 40 dollars the one that we did we did the avengers one and so that one was a little more pricey at 40 dollars um but i do feel like it was worth it just for the one that we did because i felt like an actual avenger fighting alongside the other people in the mcu so it felt really real and i felt like it was worth that if it was above 40 it might not be worth it to me but um, because it was one of the things that I'm really excited about, I was okay paying that. Yeah, I think if they were going to charge more, I would want the experience to be longer in time. Um, again, so for some of the ones that might be in different locations, it's going to range, like Tiff said, from 30 to $40. Um, and that's your experience in the void. Um, again, it's a whole body, full immersive experience. You spend about 30 to 45 minutes in total between um, your little like intro video, getting fitted with your VR suit, and then going through the entire experience. And then sometimes depending on like how quickly it takes you to figure out where to walk and how to like do things, it might take you more or less time. Um, so just to kind of go through what the void experience is like. So you go into um, whatever void location you go to. Uh, the one we go to is in downtown Disney because it's closest to us. So you go in, you check in. They recommend you get there about 10, 10 minutes before your scheduled time. 
you do have to sign and complete a waiver. Once you do that, you get to pick basically what your character looks like. So ours were these really cool Avengers, uh, Wakandan, Stark hybrid suits. So you pick out your color and then they scan your little wristband. You go in, you watch a little intro video. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second when we get to what the Avengers one was like. Then once uh, that has been completed, you walk in, you put your suit on. So it's basically like a harness backpack with all of the sensors on it. And then you get your visor fitted. You, they teach you how to use all those things. And then you walk in and go into the VR experience, which then takes about 25 to 30 minutes. Yeah. So you don't really need to know how to play video games beforehand. I'm pretty much walk you through everything that you have to do. Um, and, yeah, when we went in, they had somebody kind of there to guide us and let us know because they had an instructional video that was part of the whole experience. So it was actually Shuri from Black Panther there, and she was, like, giving us all of our instructions. But at the end, if you didn't really comprehend exactly what she was telling you, they had somebody come out and show you, hey, you need to put your hands up to shoot or put your arms up this way if you want to make a shield, um, which was really helpful so that, you know, you didn't feel, like, silly because you've never done this before. Like, you knew what you were doing. Yeah, and then even when you're in the actual VR experience, they gave you, like, the first screen was, like, basically like, kind of like a test run of it. So, like, okay, mm-hmm. like, put your hands up. And uh, and we all felt it at the end, like, because the suits they have on you, they're, like, heavy. We're like, man, we, both, we all feel like we got to do arm workouts in. Um, so they definitely, like, walk you through and make sure you understand. And if you have any questions while you're, like, putting on your suit or something doesn't feel right, they will make sure that your headgear is fitted properly, you can hear properly, so you get the most out of your experience, which is really, really amazing. And don't be afraid if you've never done a virtual reality experience, if you have never, if you're not a gamer, none of us that we went were gamers, we don't do video games, we don't play video games, um, you don't have to do that to enjoy this experience. Um, so the one we did was called Avengers Damage Control. Unfortunately, this one, uh, is going away. I really hope that they bring it back for a longer period of time because it actually is so amazing. I would love to do it multiple times just because there is so much going on. Uh, but the concept behind it is Shuri, uh, who is Black Panther's sister and the princess of Wakanda, has recruited you to be a part of her team to test a powerful new prototype suit combining Wakanda and Stark Technologies. Um, when she is introing her technology, that is when an enemy from the past sneaks in to steal the technology. And so you have to fight alongside the Avengers, including Doctor Strange, Wasp, Ant-Man, so many others to stop the attack um, and basically save the world. So that is the overall arching story of Avengers Damage Control. And so now we, I guess we can talk about our overall thoughts on the experience, whether that be just the overall VR experience and then getting into kind of the gameplay of the void experience. Yeah. Some of your thoughts, Tiff. So I feel like I definitely wouldn't pay more than $40, but I feel like it was worth it. If they did bring back the Avengers one, I would definitely do it again. And I would bring my husband because he would just absolutely love it. Um, But I, I said it earlier, I feel like, you're actually an Avenger and you're fighting alongside of them. And there was a lot of really cool effects. So we went into, not to spoil it, but there's like a part where you go into a snowy room and you actually get cold and you feel wet and they actually have scents. There was like the smell of popcorn and there was like a big thing of popcorn and you actually like get to go through these portals that Dr. Strange is creating. And like, you just feel like you're really there with them, which was, so cool. I don't think I would do the Star Wars one because I'm not super into Star Wars, but if they brought back the Avengers one, I would do it. If they brought back um, maybe another movie I was interested in, <laughs> Frozen, um, I would do that. Too. <laughs> yeah, a, a Frozen VR experience would be great. Um, I absolutely loved Avengers Damage Control um, from the you know, figuring out your hands is a little, like, interesting. And I think I think I figured out towards the end, you actually have to, like, keep your arms extended the whole time because if, if your hands are too close to your mask, it doesn't, like, register them, um, which 
I figured out kind of towards the end. But like Tiff was saying, it's like you go in, you walk through the uh, area with Doctor Strange, and it's like, I guess the floor is flat. I was listening to another podcast today, and they're like, you're walking on a flat floor, but it feels like you're walking down like a slope floor. And because it's all in the virtual, like, headset, so it makes you feel like you're walking down a slanted floor. It's so weird. Um, Were we not walking down a slanted floor? No, it was a flat floor. It was a flat floor. Are you serious? Yeah. I didn't look. I just trusted that we were walking down a slanted floor. I didn't look either, but I was listening to another podcast today, and they were talking about it. And they're like, yeah. And I was like, wait, that's so crazy because, I mean, I've been in there before, and there, I don't think it goes up and down. I don't think they have enough space. So it's so cool that, like, that's the VR experience. It makes you feel like you're walking down oh my gosh. a planted, right? So crazy. Um, mind blown. Um, yeah. But I love I loved seeing the characters. The story has it set after Endgame. It's technically not canon, um, which I honestly – didn't care. I don't care if it's MCU canon or not. It's just such a fun experience to like be hanging with Ant-Man and Wasp and then Spider-Man comes in and then it's like, all right, guys, we got to like do this. And then you go and you like battle all the, like the bots and I don't want to spoil it too much just in case they do bring it back. Um, but there was a part where I thought we were going to go over the edge of like a balcony and there was, we weren't, but I felt like it. Yeah, because it looks like you're out on this, like, little platform. But I think if you, like, spread out, like, they wouldn't – it would it would have been fine. Um, <laughs> they, uh, they're not – you're not going to fall off anything in the void, even though you feel like you might. Um, but there is definitely some, like, really great little things. Because if you watch the movie – not the movie, but, like, basically the trailer for the void experience, you know some things are going to happen. But they definitely peppered enough things that you're, like – like, you see it, and you're like, whoa, like, I was not expecting that. Like, there was enough of that that I would happily spend $40 again to do this experience. I thought it was amazing. I would love to, obviously, because you're, like, figuring it out as you go, I would just love to kind of, like, take it in a little bit more just because, like, you just want to watch it all because it is, it feels like you're in an Avengers movie. Um, just like Tiff, I don't know if I would do the Star Wars one just because I'm not excited about it. I also did the Wreck It Ralph. Wreck It Ralph. That's like a tongue twister. They did one for Ralph wrecks the internet uh, last year, which was really fun. And if they did something that was like Frozen themed, um, I was also the podcast I was listening to was talking about how the only characters that really weren't integrated into this Avengers experience were the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is one of the things we talked about when when we left the void um, as missing them because we love them um but maybe if they do more iterations of void experiences with continuations on this avengers story it'd be cool to see the guardians and i know we're going to space with the eternals so maybe seeing more on the cosmic scale but still bringing in your same heroes that you love from earth so i cannot recommend this more i really hope the void brings it back for more than just a month because I feel like more people need to experience, especially this version of it. Like Star Wars is great, but this Avengers version is just beyond. And I think more people should get to do it. It was amazing. If they bring it back, I'm signing Gilbert and I up to do it right away. Cause I feel like he would just die. He would love it so much. Yeah. It's just like so much fun. Like, it's like one of those experiences where it's like I shouldn't be smiling this much but because it's like you're trying to save the world but it's like you can't help it you're under your visor going like oh my gosh that's like Dr. Strange like and just like smiling from ear to ear like it's just so amazing like I yeah Yeah. I can't think enough good things 20 out of 10 recommend Um, so we're going to take a quick little break and then we're going to come back and talk about Maleficent. If you have not seen Maleficent and you don't want spoilers, this is probably the point where you want to jump off. Um, we'll be back in just a second. And we're back in action, ready to talk about Maleficent. And if you haven't seen it and you still haven't turned it off, you've had plenty of warning. So... We're going to hop into this. Um, so 
first thing I wanted to do for anyone who maybe just need a quick refresh before we talk about our thoughts is just give a quick plot overview of Maleficent and Mistress of Evil, the continuation of Maleficent. We're not going to summarize the first movie. Hopefully you all have seen that. It's rather old. Um, Tiff, do you want to start off telling the story of the movie? Yeah. So um, in the movie, in the five years since King Stefan died, uh, Aurora is now queen of the Moors, and Maleficent is the protector of the Moors. Despite her service, the neighboring kingdom of Alstead, which is where Prince Philip lives, seems Maleficent as the bad guy, which, of course, Maleficent's always a bad guy. She's not really, though. Um, Diaval, who is Maleficent's raven, and her confidant, she overhears that Philip is going to propose to Aurora, and so he lets her know, and she advises Aurora not to do it. And, of course, Aurora is in love, and she says, no, but I want to, and she insists that she's going to prove Maleficent wrong. So, so then after that, Prince Philip rides home. This is when we are introduced to his parents, King John and Queen Ingrid, where they decide that they want to have Maleficent and Aurora over for a nice intimate dinner. So, you know, you go through all the things. We get to dinner. Maleficent remains composed even after the queen is, like, just a complete jerk and, like, tauntingly mentions the sleeping curse that was put on Aurora and talks about King Stefan's death. And then she basically, like, calls Maleficent out for killing human poachers in or two human, two human fairy poachers. Yeah, it's very confusing. Not very confusing. Um, basically killing fairy poachers um, because they were last seen in the moors, which Maleficent did not do. Um, the cherry on the cake here is when Ingrid then dismisses Maleficent's maternal bond with Aurora, and that's when Maleficent goes all green and seemingly curses the king, who appears to fall into a deep sleep. This is when Maleficent basically says, Aurora, we're going to go. And Aurora says, no, I'm staying here. Maleficent flies out the window um, and in her attempt to flee is shot by the queen's servant with an iron bullet. And then in the aftermath, the queen uh, tries to wake the king with true love's kiss. It doesn't work because she doesn't truly love him. And then we move on to the next part of our story. Yeah, so Maleficent is shot by the iron bullet, and she's obviously hurt, and she falls into the ocean. And right as she looks like she's about to die, she's rescued by a mysterious winged creature. Um, and then when she wakes up, she is in this giant nest cavern thing. <laughs> um, and she finds other fairies like herself, and they're all in hiding. Uh, one of the characters she meets is Connell, who is the peaceful leader who saved her from the ocean, and Bora, who is a war fairy who is open to conflict with the humans. He's wanting that, and Connell, of course, is not super into that. He just wants peace with them. Um, Maleficent is one of the last creatures who is known as the Dark Fae, which is a powerful fairy forced into hiding in they're driven extinct by human oppression. Um, she's also one of the last descendants from the Phoenix, which is an ancient and powerful Dark Fae ancestor. Um, because Maleficent's magic is so powerful, Connell and Bora think she's instrumental in ending the conflict with the humans, either by peace or by war, basically kind of leaving that up to Maleficent. Yeah, to decide which one she wants to do. So while all that is happening with Maleficent, we flip and flop kind of back with Aurora. So she first, she tries to go find Maleficent. She can't, obviously, because she's in the nest. Then she goes back to the castle where she agrees, basically, in three days' time to have the wedding with Prince Philip. So all of the wedding plans are being made. She goes through the process of trying to be a noblewoman but really isn't happy there. And in the process of this, she eventually discovers the queen's hidden chamber, which leads her to the the winged pixie called, I don't know how you say this, Lickspittle? 
That's a very interesting name. And Lick Spittle has found a way to combine iron powder with the um, the tomb bloom flower from the forest. So the tomb bloom flowers basically when a fae dies, they bury them and the flower grows from there. So by combining the tomb bloom pollen with iron powder, he's created this powder that will basically instantly kill fae. So she finds this, she finds the cursed spindle where she realizes the queen is behind everything, behind uh, King John basically falling under the sleeping curse. And then she really kind of realizes her plan for killing the Fae or, you know, basically turning them back into what they originally were um, at the church. So this is all unfolding. The Fae have gone into the church for the wedding where the queen's um, servant is playing the organ and basically shooting out the iron powder. All hope basically seems lost um, for the Fae. And then... Um, so then in that moment, the dark fae launched an assault on Alstead, but of course the soldiers start massacring them with that powder, um, until Maleficent comes and she channels her inner Phoenix power and joins the battle. Um, she kind of has her moment and she almost kills the queen, but Aurora appeals to the humanity in her and like kind of prods to spare her, um, and she tells Maleficent that she is her mother, and they have a moment there. Um, in that moment, Maleficent is distracted, and the queen fires her crossbow at Aurora, um, but Maleficent catches that, and she steps in, and she is the one who's struck by the arrow, and she turns into ashes, and Aurora is just broken up, and tears are falling everywhere. Um, until the moment where Maleficent is reborn as a phoenix. Um, and there you kind of see the fear in the queen's eyes. And she, as a last-ditch effort, throws Aurora off the tower, which prompts Maleficent to fly down and save Maleficent, or save Aurora from dying. Um, on her way to escape, though, the queen is stopped by Bora and the other dark face, so she doesn't get away. Nope, she does not. So at this point, Prince Philip forges peace between the fairies and the humans, and all of the soldiers stand down. Maleficent returns to her fairy form. Then she gives Aurora and Philip her blessing. Uh, Lickspittle then brings the spindle, and they destroy it, breaking the curse, which awakens the king. Um, and then as punishment for her crimes, Queen Ingrid is then transformed into a goat. So after Aurora and Philip are married, Maleficent returns returns to the Moors uh, with the other dark fae, and she promises to return when there's a christening. <laughs> and through Maleficent style. So good. So good. I feel like they wrapped it up just great. Um, so we thought we would just kind of give you our thoughts on all of that in terms of acting, story, costumes, all of that. So Let's start with what we thought about the acting. I mean, obviously, Angelina Jolie as Maleficent is just, like, perfect. Her and Michelle Pfeiffer, I didn't, like, they're just so good. Like, Michelle Pfeiffer is just such a great villain-type person. Angelina Jolie just plays Maleficent, like, to perfection. I love it. But her little, like, just the way she speaks and, like, the lines that, you know, they're meant to be funny, but the way she says them, like, it, this one felt much more, like, lighthearted in the terms of jokes that they made, which I liked, and showing that side of Maleficent, and then, like, Queen Ingrid, you just, like, hate her off the bat. Um, I mean, I wish, I really liked the first Prince Philip they cast. I don't know why he wasn't back. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, because I rewatched it, and the first Prince Philip looks like... He was a cutie, but he kind of looked like Justin Bieber. Oh, yeah, I guess a little bit. I don't know. I didn't, like, dislike this Prince Philip. Yeah. He was fine. Him and Aurora. You know, like, I feel fine. like he looks like the prince from um, Beating the Beast as a human. I feel like he looks more like a Prince Adam than a Prince Philip, but that's fine. Oh. Yeah, I could see that. Um, Yeah, he was, like, fine and cool. I, like, I don't know. He didn't, like strike me either way there were definitely times where it was more like when they were up on the tower 
and like his mom like he was like you did this like with his mom and then she's like he's not feeling well and it was just like you're like a, a, a grown man you just asked Aurora to marry you like is this how you stand up to your mother like I guess I, I wanted him and Aurora to be just a little bit more, like, stronger, like, in terms of their pro- characters. Um, then, obviously, the Dark Fae are great. Bora and um, Connell. I, the actor who plays Bora was in one season in Game of Thrones, and I've always really liked him. Uh, he and Angelina Jolie had some, like, tension there. So, like, if they do a third one, I would love to see, like, that relationship explored a little bit more. Not that Melissa mm-hmm. needs anyone, but, like, there's just, like, the I've second thought time, about that. The second like, time I watched it. Like, what if they did a third one where she yeah. had, like, a love interest, but I just don't know if I can see it. Yeah, I don't know if you want, like, a really, like, love interest, like, explored, but, like, yeah. there's just a lot of really good, tent, like, you know, like, romantic, like, kind of tension between them. Like, obviously nothing happened, but, like, you could just feel, like, between the actors, there was that, like, there was good chemistry between them. So, like, just, like, playing with that a little bit with Maleficent, like, could be fun. Um, but overall, I thought the acting was really great. I, like, there wasn't anyone that I was, like, oh, that was just bad. Like, yeah, I good. The, I loved the moment. I don't know actors and actresses' names ever, um, but... Aurora, when Maleficent was shot by the arrow and turned into dust, um, the way that Aurora just, like, reacted, I was like, ooh, I feel that. Like, it was a really strong moment, and I thought that was super great, and of course, I agree. Angelina Jolie is, like, perfection as Maleficent. Yeah, she's just so so good. There's no words. And also... I just really love, I don't know who the actor is, but the guy who plays Diaval, the the crow, oh, yeah. I, I just love him. I loved him in the first movie. Like, I just thought it was, like, the twist of turning the crow into a human, and the first one was great, and then she kept turning him into all these different animals. And then to keep that going in the second one, I thought was really good. And also, I liked when she was shot with the the, the iron bullet, how they kept him in his human form. Um, and I know how that obviously impacted the story, but I I thought that was a good way because they do get separated to keep him in his human form while she's not there. So I like that, which kind of, I guess, leads into the next part, which is the overall story. So, Tiff, what did you think of the overall story of the film and what thoughts do you have on it? Um, I really liked this story. Um, I, I went and I took my husband with me and um, – we both kind of agreed, like, I felt like it was better the second time around um, because he felt, like, confused about a few things. Of course, he's not, like, a Maleficent obsessed person like I am, but um, I do kind of agree where um, it's not confusing, I guess, but it's more that I caught more the second time that I saw it um, because there was, like, little tidbits here and there that I was able to put together but I think that's what makes it great that there was just so much detail in it that um, it took more for me to catch all of the things yeah I agree overall I really love the story Um, I think any story like this is always impactful when you're trying to find like overcoming hate and understanding and prejudice and those things and like that is ultimately the core of this and also the maternal story between Aurora and Maleficent. Um, I thought all of the themes of the movie were great. I really loved some of the twists and the liberties they took. Like, obviously, in the animated version, Maleficent, she turns into a dragon. I absolutely loved the twist of it being a phoenix. Um, I've always loved the concept, the idea of the phoenix, like, rebirth from death, basically, from, like, destruction comes life. Um, and I thought that was a really great twist on her being a dragon, um, but also not being a big scary dragon. Um, I, you know, the overall story is great. My, like, two things, I figured out, I actually, the second time watching it around, I figured out, and I don't think I had an issue with it the first time. I think they just made it too obvious. So my big thing with the story is, there's no, like, guessing about Queen Ingrid as the villain and how she did it. 
So this is my pitch for how to make the movie like just like that much better because it was already so great. And I, I, I'm a sucker for a good twist. So there's one part where um, the king gives Prince Philip a sword and they basically have this moment. And then in Carolyn's version of the movie, it would cut there. So then it continues on with him saying, well, what does your mother think? And she's like standing around the corner in this black robe. So you basically cut all that because it leads into the scene where she goes down into her closet. You see like her going into the thing. You see them building weapons, which at that point, you don't really know they're warring. So it's like, well, why is she building weapons? Like, okay, kind of weird. And then she goes into Lick Spittle's like thing and they have a little conversation and then you see the spindle. So you basically take all of that out and it creates more of a mystery. So then it's like, so when the king falls into a curse, you're like, wait, why is he under a curse? And then when she would basically whispers in his ear, like, you wanted peace, here's your peace. Like, you're like, wait, she did it? But then you still don't know that she has the spindle. So it's like, well, how did she do it? You're like, is she a witch too? And then you kind of like build up and you add a few scenes in there so that you figure out she has a secret cave, like, this little guy down there is doing something and then you wait to do the spindle reveal until Aurora goes down there and she finds the spindle and then it all like comes together. And it's just like, just that little detail, I think of a film that would have built up some of the mystery and the suspense and like, how did it all, like, how is it all happening kind of thing? Just a little bit more that the second time around, I was like, that's the thing that I think would have like, just like, made the movie like yeah better well what's what's funny is uh i was telling carolyn this this weekend i the first time i saw the movie that's exactly what happened like i went to the bathroom at the moment that the king was giving prince philip the sword and i had no idea well not no idea but i feel like it took me a while to realize that the queen was the villain until like towards the end um, and then the second time I watched it, I'm, I was thinking, oh, wow, they actually revealed this a lot earlier than I thought. Um, so I actually kind of liked it more the first time in that respect because um, I didn't know that she was the bad guy. It was more of a shock, but it wasn't, even then, it wasn't a huge shock. I feel like yeah. I could have added more to that. Well, I think you kind of knew she was the villain, but I yeah. think just veiling that in a bit more secrecy and like not giving not making it so obvious up front it's like okay maybe she doesn't like the fae but you know she's like trying but then it's like well dang she's like a real bee like she's just like going after maleficent and then it's like oh then maleficent may have cursed this guy because because like if they would have cut that scene before the dinner like well you don't know the spindle still exists like be like, well, did Maleficent curse the king and is just being like, well, I didn't do it because, like, she's, like, been out of shape about Queen Ingress, like, accusing her of all of these things. So I think it just would have helped build the tension. And, like, obviously, like, I'm not, I still love the movie. I'm not discounting the quality of the movie. My words aren't coming together quite well. But, I think that just would have, like, propelled it to the next level. Um, yeah. And then the other thing, it's, like, my other thing watching it, it's, like, okay, this nest, you've got this nest, but it looks like an island, so is it, like, underneath the water? Because it, like, goes into, like, this big, like, cave. And I guess that's one of those things you're just supposed to trust the Disney magic in it. But I kind of wish they just would have done a better job of it maybe being in, like, a cliffside and it, like you know, not looking like it was, like, an island in the middle of the ocean, if that makes sense, like, their nest yeah. of origin. Um, but otherwise, like, I'm excited of, like, I would love to see another iteration of all the Dark Fae now at home in the moors and what's next for Philip and Aurora. Like, I would yeah. love to see the next continuation of the story, depending on whatever that is. Um and then lastly, things like costumes, effects, anything else that we really thought was great about the story and just wanted to talk about. Um, I do have to say I loved Maleficent's outfit in that final scene, um, or the final fight scene, where yeah. it was like the, I don't know if you would call it lacy, but there was like more of a print on her dress. Mm, it was so good. 
yeah, I think the costumes in this, especially like the second time, I took a lot more note, and all of the characters and like their costumes are just beyond amazing. But yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer's hair in that last battle scene, like mm-hmm. it's so ornate. Like I don't know how they like took strands of her hair and then put like individual beads on them, but it wasn't like a bunch of beads. It was like two or three, and they were all just like so perfectly placed. And I kept thinking, I was like, I wonder how many days it took them to shoot this. And they had to do her hair exactly the same every single day they shot this. I was like, I commend that hair person because, like, those, all of those little, like, next time you watch it, just look at her hair in that scene. It's like, that is so intricate and detailed. Like, dang. And that's just her hair. Like, the costumes are amazing. I love the play they did on the Make It Pink, Make It Blue because we have fairies to save the other fae from the organs sacrifices herself and goes up and becomes, you know, a flower to stop the red iron dust from coming out. So I love that play on the make it paint, make it blue, make it green. I also I also loved um in the nest, Angelina Jolie's costume there. It was so simple, but she looked absolutely gorgeous. And then Angelina Jolie with her hair down as Maleficent was like perfection. Oh, I know. I wish they would like do that more. Yeah. I also liked how they um, had, like, all of the different phase. Like, there was the Amazon one and the snow mm-hmm. one and all of that. Like, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I love that expansion into the Fae world. And I would love to see that explored more and know more about the Fae. And if you could be, like, which which Fae do you think you would be, Tiff? Uh, ooh, I feel like I just want to be Maleficent. That's all. <laughs> I, be her. I feel like I would probably be one of the ones in like the redwood forest mm, I liked the Amazonian ones I liked their colorful wings yeah and it was really cool because they all like if you looked at their eyes like just the detail mm-hmm. in that like the color of the face eyes matched whatever area they were like or part of the world they were supposed to be from so if they were snow, they were white, boar's eyes, you could see the cracks in them. Just the attention to detail and the effects were great. Like when she transformed into the phoenix, it was like, wow, like that is just so amazing and so cool. Um, I love that there's a joke at the beginning that uh, Diaval was like, why didn't she turn me into a bear? It would be awesome. And at the end, mm-hmm. turned me into a bear. I love that. Um I did notice, I don't know if it's the same people worked on Infinity War as this, but uh, when the Fae would turn to dust, it looked like mm-hmm. the Infinity War dust. I, I said like, that. I was like, Thanos came out. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> but, yeah, so I noticed that. But, um, I could be the same people worked on it because it was Disney. But I thought the effects were great. I loved all the, I know you weren't a fan of all the fake creatures, but like, but it was creative. I'm just not a fan. It makes me itchy. (laughs) I don't know the name of the character, but the little like hedgehog ball. I loved her. She's my favorite. I did not. (laughs) But I did like the mushroom man. He was cute. They were all all so cute. Malikadook. And then they they basically like that. No. I don't like that sound makes me itchy. <laughs> I'm gonna do that next time I see you. No <laughs> It's like it's a small world for me. Um <laughs> yeah, like they had to like make all those and it's just it's just amazing what they can do. And the moors are so beautiful and like the castle yeah. and it's just it was just really, really good. I highly recommend it. I I mean, I liked the first Maleficent, but I like this one a lot more. On my, like, barometer, I would probably give it, like, an 8 out of 10. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was good. One of the things I've always loved about, like, the first Maleficent was the twist, um, which I feel like they still did bring in twists, even though it was, like, obvious who the villain was. I feel like it was, like, the whole thing with the phase was a little bit of a twist for me because I just didn't expect her to find... Like, I didn't even know what this story was going to be about. So I feel like they really took it to another level, and I thought it was great. 
Well, and I think, too, Disney set it up in, like, the trailers was like, oh, is she going to be evil? Because you really don't yeah. know. Like, I mean, obviously, the trailers, you got an idea that she was going to be battling and Aurora was going to be in the middle of it. Um, and I think we kind of knew there was going to be at least a couple other Faye in it, but not to the extent that it actually was. And, again, the Phoenix twist was probably one of my favorites. Um it wasn't until it got to the end when she like turned Aurora around and like took the arrow that I was like, she's going to become a Phoenix. And maybe people, other people saw it way earlier. Um, but it, like, it wasn't until that moment that I was like, I know what it's going to be. And then she became the Phoenix. I was like, Oh, this is amazing. I um, didn't know. I was like, Oh my God, she's dead. <laughs> Which of course like couldn't be the case, but I was like, what's going to happen? Oh, <laughs> But I think the trailer set it up so you didn't know that that was even in the realm of, like, things. And I think there was one trailer where they feel like they teased a dragon-ish image, and obviously now we know it's the phoenix. Um, so originally I think I thought that that might happen at some point, that she was going to become, the, like, the dragon. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised by that twist. And I think because of where the first one ended, you kind of knew she wasn't going to be the villain, but you were kind of worried based on the trailer. Well, and the the point where um the like the king falls over and Aurora goes, "Oh, what did you do to him? Like, take the curse off." I feel like Maleficent probably would have learned her lesson the first time on causing curses on people. So I feel like in that moment you're kind of like, mm, "I bet she didn't do it." <laughs> Yeah, but again, that goes back to my point of where when the second and like that happened, I was like, she stabbed him with the spindle. I was like, I'm not shocked. You already like gave that away. So I think again, had they taken my suggestions, which I mean they didn't know until obviously now, but you know, and done that, <laughs> that would have like built it into like maybe she did curse him, like maybe she didn't. We don't know, like. I don't know what the right. Maybe just have. like go to the bathroom at the point that I went to the bathroom, <laughs> and then it will be the and perfect. Know. I'll just have to come out with the Carolyn cuts of all these films. Yeah, I'll like figure out the minute and second point, and I'll um, let everyone know. This is the point you want to go to the bathroom because the movie will be better if you do. <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> but I mean, you had to listen to our whole spoiler review on it to find that out. So. So you pretty much already know anyways. So, so yeah, you fine. already know anyways. <laughs> well, I think that's all I have to say on it. Yeah, me too. Um, I think it was super great. Um, join us next week. And, of course, we'll have more news and fun things to talk about with you guys. And we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Disney Download. If you want to stay up to date on all of the park happenings, be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Diz Download. And subscribe to the Disney Download on iTunes or Spotify. And if you loved this week of the Disney Download, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify. We hope you have a magical day and we'll see you next week for another episode of the Disney Download.